Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today. I thank you for these girls here, Lord. I pray you'll bless their, um, their lives, Father, in a special unique way. Father, I pray that the challenges, the difficulties, the obstacles that they encounter, Father, that you would um, straighten their paths and flatten their hills and the hard places and you'll show them the path that you would have them to take. Father God, I pray that you would reward their diligence and their efforts, Father God, and that you would speak um, just truth into each one of their lives. Lord, I pray the words that I speak would be edifying and glorifying to you, Father God, that you would be exalted um, during our time, Father, and that um, you would um, you'd be blessed by what we have to say and what we have to do here, Father God. We thank you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today's lesson is on how to love your children. Um, and since none of us have children, as far as I know, physical children, um, I figured I'd already answer it in the very first one anyway. So, um, because I don't have children, but I have a lot of children. And, um, and so, the very first point is everyone has children. We all have children. Everyone has children. Isaiah 54.1 says this, Sing, O barren one who do not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not been in labor for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of, the, of she who has married, says the Lord. And so even if we haven't physically had children, we still can have children. And um, there's still children that we can invest and influence in our life. I mean, I talk about my three boys back in Atlanta. Now, Ellen has um, her two nephews up in the Dallas area that she's intentional about investing in. Jennifer's got a whole, how many, 20 kids? How many kids are in your room? I mean, you know, she's got 20, yeah, you know, and they change every year in investment. And Wendy, I'm sure you got nieces or nephews or others that are in your life that we really, okay, just because we physically have not born children, we are an extra special blessing point to be able to invest in, in other children's life. And the Bible says that, you know, we'll have more than those who are married. And it's the truth. I mean, in the sense of, you know, there's about, probably about 18 kids that are on my list, my hit list, that I can really want to invest in and be a part of their lives. And I've prayed for them since pre-birth for many of them. And, you know, the oldest one's 16, and then we want to invest in. So we can't just say, well, I don't have any kids to love on. And um, I'm definitely not one to, um, and I'm not one that is, I'm not the one that's, um, like I work in the, I serve in the preschool because the director of the preschool here is, is a friend and she needed help and so I help but like she doesn't let me go past the desk. I mean I don't love children. I'm not one that, you know, just gravitates to children and, and um, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I like kids but I'm not saying that that is not my calling and, and not at all my ministry but on the same side I can't just say, well, I don't have any kids so I'm going to skip this part of Titus 2 about loving my children and um, what a waste it is. Um, both in our own personal life because what a blessing it is to be able to invest in, to freely give in folks in these kids' lives in ways that, um, um, they're encouraged by their parents, and uh, you know that when I was leaving after being in Atlanta for those two and a half weeks, and Bodie was taking me to the airport, he said, "You know, Beck, we we joke about you know Aunt Beck gives the boys whatever they want, you know, chocolate milk and you know chocolate chip pancakes and bacon at Waffle House is usually the recipe that we, I mean, the the order we have." And he says, "But we also know that you're not going to let them get away with anything, and you're not going to let them watch or say or do anything that's inappropriate, and and as they grow older." You know, and they don't want to talk to us about some of those harder issues. You're going to talk to them, and you're going to tell them the truth. But we, the same thing we're telling them, but just in a different way. And, and so we are very intentional about building times now, building security now, so that when their boys are older, that it is. I mean, even on vacation, it's funny. I'm not sure what we'll do is, I'm not sure at what point this will change, probably when Jared, the oldest, decides this. But we go on vacation, and we rent a two-bedroom condo. And Bodie and Andrea in one room, and the boys and I are in the other room. The oldest one is eight, so it's no big deal right now. 
Um, and for the first, until last year, we had two twin beds. And so um, in, the, in the second bedroom, now at least we have double beds. And so I'm glad because the middle one, Blaine, is seven. And he, he, he's a touch guy, so he always wants to sleep in the bed with me. So when we had the twin bed, it was, <laughs> I wasn't getting a whole lot of sleep. And, um, but this is better, much better like that. So we all have children. One way or the other, we have children, and I think it's important. It's one, actually one of the, um, the, the takeaways that I felt like we needed to do is, you know, who are those kids in your life? Who are those ones that we're going to invest in and then we're going to intentionally write down and say, okay, this is the one that I'm going to be at as many ball games as I can or high school graduation I'm going to be a part of. I'm, you know, I'm going to be at the wedding, you know, and um, so we can invest in their lives. Number two, um, God places children in our lives to produce disciples. God places children in our lives for disciples. Um, Malachi 2.15 is the verse here. And this is talking about marriage, but I think it can apply to us. When Jesus is, um, or when uh, the prophet Malachi is, is talking here, he says, Did he not make them one, talking about a husband and wife, with a portion of the spirit in their union? I mean, that in itself is a profound sentence, just, I mean, reading that. You know, that in the, there's a portion of the spirit within the union of a husband and wife and um, how that works. And what was, the one, what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and let, of you, not, none of you, let none of you be faithless to the wife of your root. So the reason, why God, the reason why God has people get married, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is to produce godly offspring. So when these children are in our lives, whether we produce them or not, it's our responsibility. It's, I don't think it's necessarily, as, not as a, as a parent, it's our responsibility to do discipleship. If they're just, you know, our kids' friends and our nieces and our nephews, then um, it's a blessing in our life. It's a call in our life to be able to make disciples out of these kids and not just have a good time and not just, you know, buy them the chocolate milk or take them to the circus or, or any of those kind of things, but to really show them in, intentionally about God's, um, about God's love and God's purpose and God's reasoning. Again, for me... Many of the boys, I mean, a lot of the kids, even the neighborhoods, because they live in a cool neighborhood, my, my friends Andre and Bodie, I mean, it never fails. They'll ask me, Becky, why do, why do you have to live in Texas? Oh, right, i got to tell you this story first. The, um, Jacob, the youngest, he's five, and um, they will usually pick me up at the MARTA station, so I'll take the train from the airport about an hour, I think it's about an hour for me to get there, and it's about another 45 minutes on to Bodie and Andrea's house in Atlanta. And so Andre and Buddy will drive down, meet me at the martyr station, and, you know, pick me up. And Jacob invariably will ask, is this Texas? Because they've driven so long, you know, and so to him, and Becky lives in Texas, so I must be in Texas. And, um, and so, uh, but that was the point on that, Jacob, the youngest one, disciples. Oh, it's not just to provide, you know, it's not just to bless them and, Make sure they always have fun, and it's always exactly like that. Let's create opportunities, and I'm going to talk about 11 steps that I think are really great in helping us do that, or maybe 10 because I think I eliminated one on y'all's. But, um, but anyways, we need to produce disciples, and that also means we need to be disciples, so that's a whole other lesson another time, that we need to be walking in the Lord, that we need to be seeking the Lord, that we need to be doing the things that we would want them to do. And if we're encouraging them to walk in purity, then we need to walk in purity. If we're encouraging them to walk in self-control, then we need to walk in self-control. If we're encouraging them to submit to authority, then we need to submit to authority. And because we are, it is, it is, we can teach all we want, but it's going to be modeled. And, um, and I think even with their parents, you know, being real mindful of if the parent wants to do something and you might think something different, you do what the parent says and, um, and walk along that path. The third thing is, and I think this is important in how to love your children, is love without discipline 
is worthless. And I don't know if that, that might be a little bit extreme, but, um, but when we just, and we see it all the time, when we just, the kids are running the household and um, there's no order, there's no discipline, and whatever they want, they get. And um, it, 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 it might be great and they might love that and they might feel great and wonderful and special and all that stuff, but when they're 25 years old, their boss is not going to just say, okay, well, whatever you want, you know, or you just show up, it counts, you know, it doesn't discount. In the um, Hebrews chapter 12, talks about this. Um, Hebrews 12, 4-11. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that, ad that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the Father has not disciplined? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated in, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. That's a profound statement. That if you don't discipline your children, if we don't receive rebuke from the, from the Lord, if we as parents or as, as um, mentors in our kids' lives, if we don't discipline them, then, um, I mean, we really don't care about them. I mean, they're illegitimate children and sons. I mean, I'm sure with Jennifer, you know, she doesn't have do discipline and order in the class. It just, they go crazy. I mean, it's, you know, and it's nothing, everybody is affected by that. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But the discipline is for our, the dis, but he, but they, he, but he disciplines us for our good. I wrote over that, sorry. That we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I think it's um, uh, interesting is that the Lord does discipline us and um, that he doesn't just let us go. I know Beth, I've heard Beth Moore say that the worst thing is not the discipline of the Lord. The worst thing is not being disciplined by the Lord and that he would just let us go off and make a mess of our life and not show us. And we, we, I think we all probably could testify of times in our life when we were the Lord finally gets our attention, but we can look back and say, well, you know, he warned me there, and he warned me there, and he warned me there, and, and then finally I'm like, okay, I'll finally do that and submit to whatever that discipline is or that changing needs to be because he doesn't let us get away with it. He loves us and cares about it because we aren't illegitimate children, and he'll discipline us in whatever way. What's interesting, though, with the Lord, and I think we've talked about this before, is that he discipline for... Um, for sin, discipline for acting out, discipline for not being obedient to the Lord, looks the same as the discipline in bearing more fruit for our lives. Because whether you're whether you get in trouble for acting out and you're disciplined in that way, in that way, or if you run, it's both discipline. I mean, those are both disciplines that we practice. And um, and just when He prunes us for more fruit, it might look like discipline for punishment. But it's not it's discipline to bear more fruit. Does that make sense? And that, and so in each one of our individual lives, we can't sit and say, well, you know, that person is sick because they're in sin. Or that person is having financial problems. Or that person is having children problems. Or that person is having um, marriage issues, relationship issues, because of sin in our life. That might not be the case at all. 
you know, because I know in each one of our lives, the, even in, even when I'm walking in righteousness, God sends something difficult along in my way. I mean, James 5 talks about I mean, James 1 talks about that. Our challenges and our difficulty comes in our life to discipline to make us better so we can persevere, so we can endure, so we can build our character, so we know who it is. And we need to be real quick to, number one, not judge, but number two, in our own personal life. When those challenges come, I mean, for me, whether I'm sick or whether I'm having issues with, with a, a relationship or, like right now, it's funny, my brother and I um, haven't spoken in a long time. And, um, but there's, we're beginning to communicate via email. And, um, and he's saying some things that I don't necessarily like. Um, but it's like, okay, Lord, is this, is this, what is this? Is, am I just getting built up and I just want to do it my way? Or is this something I really need to process through and work? Because I need to look and say, the pain that's in my life, is it because um, I need to change something or I just need to be better about something? And he made it very clear yesterday. It's because he wants me to be better about something. And there's a process that I need to go through that he showed me yesterday. And, um, you know, even when I'm sick. And don't, I mean, I don't all think that all sickness is because of sin. I mean, not, I mean, other than the big sin. You know, sickness enter the world because of sin. But if someone is sick, it doesn't mean that their faith is wrong. But for me personally, I know, hey, that's the first place I'm going to check. And, you know, 99.9% of the time, sometimes, I mean, probably not even that, 95% of the time, it's no. I mean, it's just, it's pollen. It is, you know, the flu season. It is, you know, because you're 45 years old and your knee hurts because you've used it so much. I mean, you know, but there have been times. You know, Lord, I'm just sluggish. I don't feel good. My stomach's upset. And he's like, okay, what did you eat last night? You know, and how much did you eat last night? You know, oh, okay, so that would be gluttony. And, you know, so there's some of those kind of things. And there was even a time in my life that I believe the Lord afflicted me with headaches. And that was his discipline on me because I was about to make a mess of my life. And, and he's like, I'm getting your attention one way or the other. And he showed me what it was, and the headaches immediately stopped. Now every time I get a headache, I'm like, okay. Is this a headache? Is this is a pollen headache or is this a man trouble headache? But man, I'll teach you the fear of the Lord, which is what we're going to talk about. So we need to discipline. Um, the other thing, too, I think in that same verse is in verse 11 where it says, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Nobody likes, I mean, you know, nobody likes discipline. And, um, I mean, Wendy and I were talking about when we came in here about running. I mean, running is a discipline. And I've, you know, Ellen's long-distance runner at one time. I've never hit that high. I mean, it's just, it's always, you know, it's always painful. It has never become pleasant for me. So I'm just thinking I'm not called to run. I never, you know, I never, oh, you get that euphoria and you'll just be, get that endorphins kick in. I'm like, something ain't working. I mean, they kick in with chocolate, but they don't kick in with running. I mean, so <laughs> something's not working on that. But anything that we have, it, the, the, um, it will eventually produce a peaceable fruit of righteousness. It's that sowing and reaping. I mean, it's just part of, of life. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. If you sow to the life, you're going to reap um, life. But I think you sow to the spirit, you reap life. Sow to the flesh, you reap destruction. You sow to the spirit, you reap life. And, um, and in our own personal life, that's the way it is. And whatever we sow into, we're going to get more of. There's a friend of mine that, um, with a ministry, and she really struggled. They're, they kind of struggle with finances. And I... Um, and I also know that they also are very stingy in their blessings toward honorariums, toward speakers. And, um, and it's kind of like, okay, your sowing, your sowing is stingy. Therefore, you're going to reap stinginess. You know, but if you, and I'm not a name it, claim it, or prosperity preacher at all. But you know, on the same side, I'm like, as a ministry, man, if we just freely give in wisdom, 
doesn't mean we go crazy, but we freely give and say, man, she's worthy of a nice investment, you know, because of the speaker. Then you're going to reap that. And I think the Lord will open up the, and bring that path. And the question on Monday, one of the guys asked me, he said, Becky, can you raise a million dollars? And I've raised, I've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars that probably have added up to millions of dollars, but never have I been responsible to raise $1 million in 12 months. And, but I immediately said yes, because whatever our need is, God will meet that as we continually be faithful to go about doing that. And as I told them, you know, they, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, but we need to be the, take it to the butcher. I mean, you know, he doesn't put the food in the nest for the sparrow. And so in the same way with these people, if we sow to that, we sow to whatever it is, we're going to reap that. In the same way in discipline, if we're disciplined in our, in our lives, um, for good or for bad, it's going to reap good or for bad. So... Anyways, let's talk about some practical steps we can take in raising disciples and working with the children. Um, and these are things that I try and do um, with the kids that are in my life. And I'll talk about some examples of that. Number one, consecrate the child to the Lord. Consecrate the child to the Lord. The child to God. That means to set it apart. Acknowledge that they're unique, they're special, they're different. Um, they're chosen. Um, because God's going to do a great and a mighty thing in their lives. And we can believe that for sure. So consecrate them. They're holy. Um, they're special. They're prized. Um, I mean, how many children, goodness gracious, get no affirmation, get no value, get no encouragement that they're worth, whether well, they're just a loser and they're, you know, I mean, it's awful. And when I was working at LifeHouse, I even shared something yesterday with some ladies, is that, you know, some of these women come in, I mean, these girls come in, they're 14, 15 years old, and and as I say, the only thing wrong with them is they're pregnant. I mean, once you hear their story and you're thinking, man, I would be, I would have killed myself or I would have been strung out on drugs. I, would, I mean, they are such strong, courageous women to have, at that young age, gone through such tragedies. And that, you know, and that they're, will, and they're not like, you know, curled up in the corner in a fetus position. I mean, you know, I'm like, holy smokes. Because nobody has championed them. Nobody's encouraged them. And then how great it is that when you do encourage them, and we do bless them, and you do discipline them. I mean, the girls, they might buck against it at first, but so often they loved it when they had the bound. They knew what the rules were. They knew exactly where everything stood, and that was comfort to them. And that's the, I think that's the discipline that brings them to that. But to consecrate the child, set them apart, let them know that they're special to the Lord. And maybe to, to bounce on that, yeah. um, it's strange because... You talk about women that didn't have any supporters, but I was dealing with my nephews that are around their mother, their father, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, their aunts and uncles mm -hmm. with a lot, people with a lot of love. Right. And I always tell my nephews that I love them, but one day, one of my nephews, I told him, I said, I texted him, I just told him, I'm so proud of you. And he texts back, for what? Mm. And I said, just for doing your best. Oh. Because he wasn't doing good in school. Okay. And I said, just for doing your best. And it's just like, for me, that was like a wake up call. Like, okay, he's around nothing but love. Wow. But yet, he has never been said directly, I am proud of you. You're doing a That's good job. Great. Da, 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 da. That's great. So it's like, that was just, that was a lot. That's really good. Because yeah. that is something, too. That, cause it, and it is. Because the kids really, honestly, sometimes don't even know. Right, what they're doing. What they're doing, yeah. that they're even doing something special. Right, right, right. You know, so it is, it's, it's like, and, right. you know, praise the Lord, he had enough hutzpah or whatever to come back and say, well, what do you, what, why, what did I do? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm saying to myself, like, <laughs> you, mean? you have everything you can possibly think of as a kid, but yet he's still asking me, mm -hmm. what am I proud of him for? Right, mm -hmm. right, because nobody had told him. Yeah. Because yeah. we had done, 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 yeah. done, instead of stopping and taking. You need to stop. Not just doing what you just, did, you know, doing your best. 
being you. Yeah. It's being you. And then being, being specific about that. Yeah. That's good. That's great. Um, number two, develop in them the fear of the Lord. And this is a balance, you know, it's a balancing act that I think, you know, we've all seen it go the wrong way where it's just this legalistic, you know, scared to death of the Lord and, you know, absolutely bound up and, and all that stuff. But understand, I think probably, I really probably should change that to reverence because it really is, I mean, he is God. <laughs> I mean, he's king, you know, and um, whether it's President Obama or President Bush or, um, you know, if Reagan were still alive or President Ford, well, Ford's not alive anymore, President Carter, if any of those guys walked in here, if I was sitting down, I would stand. And I would revere them. I mean, not idolize them. I mean, God's our idol. But I would honor them for the position because of who they are. And I might not agree with 95% of what they did or didn't do. But, man, I'm going to honor the position. And, and in that same way, in a very small way, in God, we need to reverence who he is. I mean, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the God of the universe. And we need to understand that um, there is... I need to reverence him. And, um, and that doesn't mean that, no, you can't ever bring coffee into the worship center. I mean, you know, we can get, or you can't wear, you know, I'm in Jane's teaching, let alone forget about going in there. You know, but you need to understand that God is, is great and mighty, and that kind of ties back into the, you know, the consecrating yourself to the Lord. But you're, you're his. You know, you're his. You're his. Um, number three, of course, bring them the personal salvation in Jesus Christ. You know, we can't um, just you know, count on pastor to do that, you know, and, um, and that we need to be mindful and, and um, intentional about communicating. I'm, you know, Jennifer has a little different situation because in the school system, but, you know, man, I believe the Lord will call her to those kids that are interested and she'll boldly proclaim it, you know, and just that's, that's those kind of needs that are going there and share that salvation with them. I mean, Jarrett prayed to receive Christ um, this past, it's been this year since Christmas, so I'm not sure when exactly it was, February or March, and so when he, you know, and he called and told me, you know, and, and it was sweet, and in school he said, um, you know, what was the greatest, what was the greatest thing about this past school year, and he said, I prayed to receive Christ, and um, so that's his, his personality, so different than Blaine, Blaine's like, are y'all still talking about that, you know, <laughs> I thought we already worked that out, yeah, exactly, whatever, okay, move on, I love this one, number four, Give them a sense of destiny for their lives. Um, uh, how I usually do this with um, my boys and also do it with some of the other kids that I take, you know, we'll build up anticipation about going to the circus or going to Waffle House or going to do something special. And, and I, we're driving home and I'm like, you know, hey, kids, you know, um, God's got great plans for you. Just amazing things. Really, Aunt Beck? You know, I don't know what it is. And, but you know how, like, you know, we, I had to call your mom and dad, and we made the plans, and I picked you up, and then, you know, you knew I bought the tickets beforehand, and, you know, so a lot of work went on for you to have this amazing, wonderful experience, because we had a good time, right, kids? Yeah, we had a great time. What was your favorite part? You know, getting the $25 gift thing or whatever, you know? And, um, and I say, God, in the same way, is planning things for you that are far beyond we could ask or imagine. But you know what? I always want to give a good report to your parents. And um, so how do you get a good report? Being obedient and respectful. Yes, that's how you get it. And it's the same way with the Lord. To walk in the full destiny he has for you, he wants you to be, be obedient, be respectful to who he is. But he's got big plans. What do you think they are, Becca? I don't know, but they're big. You know, and it's so great. 
I look forward to when they get older, you know, because even now, I mean, they still, there's that wonder and that excitement and, you know, they all want to be ball players right now, you know. I'm going to be a professional baseball player when I grow up. I'm like, okay, great. That's a great, you know, guy can do that, you know. And um, so it, it was, they <laughs> they came in the other day and they'd um, been playing football. And um, Andre noticed that they had all these drawings on their arms. They're like, what, what's going on when we were playing football? Well, why do you have the drawing? Because we have tattoos. To be a football player, you have to have tattoos. <laughs> like, okay, we'll cross that bridge later. <laughs> There you go. And I said, well, why not grow up on the same? Because you need to focus on your books. Girl will always be there. Amen. Focus on your books. Focus on your books. That's good. <laughs> it is. Well, you know what? And this is the thing that I, because I really struggle with it. You know, when do you date? When is all that? And all, you know, and the culture that's so crazy. But I realized, what's the purpose of dating? The purpose of dating. Well, besides that, <laughs> what's the purpose that we want it to be? Is, is the plan, is this, you're figuring out, is this the person I want to marry? I mean, that's ultimately you date, because all the other stuff, like for fun and for entertainment and all that, I mean, you can do that as a group, you can do that with others, you don't, you don't have to do that, this exclusive one-on-one -on -one deep emotional relationship that they have. And it's like, well, if you're ready to get married in the next year to 18 months, then you can date. But at 14, unless you want to get married when you're six, I mean, I, I just, that was, I'm like, okay, that's a good, I mean, that's a good standard. That doesn't mean you don't go to the prom. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't go to the special events or you go to homecoming or whatever, but it's not this mutually exclusive one-on-one because yeah, that's just kind of like, to me, that's practice for divorce, you know, because they develop, even if everything's appropriate physically, they develop a deep emotional attachment and that rips it apart and then they have another one and they rip it apart, you know, so but that's good. I like that. But I'm so, I'm so psycho with this. Like when we go to the movies and we're walking, they, they call me the psycho aunt. You go, because girl. They're 14, they're, they're oh, yeah. I mean, they're in high school, when they go to the restroom, I'm like, stand outside the restroom. They're like, why are you standing outside the restroom? I'm like, because I have to make sure that you're okay. Yeah. He's just so overprotective, honestly. He's just so overprotective. I'm like, no, I'm not. So we're, like, walking into the movies, and there's, like, these group of girls, and the girls are, like, sissing at them, and I'm looking at them. Like, no. Like, Don't let them look up. Don't let them look. And it looks, I was like, yes, I'm interested in girls. There you go. That's good. <laughs> look. You know? Oh, yeah. You're interested in girls. Yeah. All right. They didn't even pay they didn't attention. Pay attention. But they also knew they were with a psycho aunt that probably would yeah. jerk their yeah. ear if they turned their head. <laughs> but that's okay. You don't understand what I'm thinking. It only takes 30 seconds. Yeah. And I don't want anybody to violate any kind of Yeah, whatsoever. absolutely. Man, we went to, I took the three of the boys, and they were at this time seven, six, and four. Yes. And we went to a minor league baseball game in Atlanta. And I'm telling you, it was, and I'm, you know, I'm, Let's go get some more can cotton candy or whatever. Like, not this time. I mean, it was like, I, if I could have had leashes on them, I would have put a leash on them. <laughs> I mean, just because, I mean, I just, not for them running away, but it was like we went to get, and I'm usually like, get sodas if you want, get whatever you want, you know? And I was like, no, we're getting bottled water because you cannot hold, you know, your hamburger, your fries, and a soda. And so we're not coming back, you know? I'm like, here we go. We're all walking. Jared, hang on to my, you know, and there's three of them. So I don't have, oh, it was, it was the worst thing. It's like, I'm putting them on leashes next time. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So destiny, build destiny in their lives. And, and then it just builds things up for them, and they're just going to look past that. I mean, again, the girls that come into Lifehouse and having that experience where they never think beyond 
Section 8 and WIC, or they never think about GED and getting married and, you know, working at Walmart. And, you know, none of the, nothing wrong with any of that, but let's just, why don't we just dream? You know, if you dream out here and you come right here, that's great. Most of these girls don't even think about dreaming. And, um, and really living what is, what is exciting for them. Um, number five, guide them to total dedication of their bodies to God. And that's just walking in purity, their entire bodies. And I think that mind, will, emotion, as well as physical body that ties, that ties into that, that their body is dedicated to God. Whether they're called to full-time ministry or whether they're going to be attorneys or whether they're going to be postmen, you know, pure dedication in their bodies, that it is, belongs to God and they have to add unto to God for them. Oh, I love this. Train them to discern character of their friends and television and movie personalities. Um, the... A great way to do this, especially if you're watching TV. Well, you know, one of a, it, the boys at my age, it's not that much, but some of the older ones, you know, I get to do this. But some of the older, the 18, that are like 12, 13, 14, and, you know, and it might be Hannah Montana or whatever that's on. Something comes on that's inappropriate. That's, or even a commercial comes on about, you know, whatever the latest sitcom with the homosexual couples married or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is, whatever comes, man, mute that TV. You know, pause that movie. Okay, kids, what was wrong with that? Oh, let's do it during the commercial. We're missing, you know. No, tell me what was wrong with that. Well, they slept together and you shouldn't do that, you know, or whatever. Let them stop and think and at least acknowledge, you know, it's because it's going to come into our house. Or driving past a billboard or seeing something on a sign. I mean, there's so much out now. I mean, it's hard to avoid it. I mean, it's so hard to avoid it. I was watching. I didn't even know what the movie was. I, was, I mean, what the TV sitcom was because I'm in the... Was I at the air, was I at a motel? I don't know where I was, but I was watching TV, kind of flipping through the channels, and it, they never kissed, but it was two girls that were messing, they almost kissed on this, like, 8 o'clock show. And it was, you know, and then a, a dead body came floating down or something, I don't know, you know, it was like, you know, but they never did, but it's like, okay, mute, you know, I mean, you're not expecting this to come in, you know. So, discern characters, discern friends, even things that you hear on the radio and stuff like that. I think I skipped this. I do. I used to have encouraged them to stand alone to peer pressure. I didn't probably put that on there. Um, saturate their minds with scripture and memorization. Saturate their minds. I mean, drown them in it. I'm telling you, there's no greater investment we can get than to pay our kids to memorize verses, scriptures. I mean, I would, especially when the boys get older, I know that I will pay them to memorize chapters of the Bible. Yeah. I'll give you five dollars if you if you yeah. Forget that. You don't have to, You can either wash my car for five dollars, or I'll give you ten dollars if you memorize, you know, Psalm fifty-one. You know, because that will, you know, man, it, it's not going to come back void. It will not come back void. A friend of mine's son, they did this to him, and he was the typical prodigal preacher's kid, and went off and you know made a mess of his life and sitting in a prison cell, and those verses started coming back to him, and you know, because they didn't go away, they didn't disappear. He might not have ever thought about pulling them up, but they were still there, so God had something to work with. I mean, that's what happened. We do that because so that when the challenges come, when the enemy comes, when the attack comes, God's got something to work with in them, and they just haven't, you know. You know, it's that thing that is um, the uh, Exodus 20 where it talks about the, the sins of the fathers will be visited on the children of the third and fourth generation. And, um, and it's kind of like, you know, Satan will knock at the door. They'll visit. They'll knock at the door. 
And um, it, like in my case, because I wasn't raised in any kind of righteousness or, you know, morality, but not necessarily righteousness, he knocked at the door in certain areas of my life that are, aren't what God would have me to do. And I just swung the door open, come on in. I mean, this is normal. This is my friend. I know who you are. You know, anger or control or whatever the issue was. As opposed to if we teach them things and show them things and point out things when the enemy knocks at the door, they can at least say, ah, I know that. I'm not going there. I'm not messing with that. That's going to be trouble. So, um, number eight or nine or whatever it is, show them the consequence. Show them consequences. What is it? Teach them consequences. I changed my notes after I made y'all's up. Teach them consequences. I think that's just, I mean, we save kids from consequences all the time. But I think we need to teach them good consequences and bad consequences. You know, you do these good things, and man, we're going to, you know, here's the reward. Or this is why it's good that you do that. That you have good time management. Are you respectful? Are you staying, you know, why you say yes, sir? Why you say no, sir? Whatever the, you know, make eye contact. So the good consequences, as well as the bad consequences, you know, don't protect them because when they're three years old and they fail a science project because they didn't do what needed to be done or didn't tell you until, you know, 10.30 that night, I got a science project tomorrow. It's better to fail at third, in third grade at eight than it is finally at 22 to fail in those things. So we need to point out consequences. Teach them to witness and edify. Teach them to witness and edify. And we do that 99% of the time by example. And edification is such a big part of that. And that is, that is just being mindful of what we say. You know, and cheering people up instead of building people down. And encouraging people instead of, you know, complaining about people. And then finally, support them with fervent prayer. Support them with fervent prayer. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous woman availeth much. And um, I actually, um, I didn't bring it with me, but I have um, 31 days of prayers for the kids. And, um, and each day, I, it has just a single verse that goes with it. And um, I'll, I'll either post it on the website, I'll try and remote it. But it's just one verse, and I'm praying for self-control, or I'm praying for the love of the word, or I'm praying for um, purity. Day 13 is my favorite day, because day 13... I pray for purity, and I pray that they would marry virgins, and they would, they would, they would be virgins, and they would marry virgins. And that's my prayer, which is, you know, absolutely only God's size that all of them would go to the altar, virgins, and marry virgins. I mean, and so, but let's pray it, you know. And I, and you, and I, so I try and pray every day for my kids, and I just read their names out and pray that verse. I mean, it's nothing deep, nothing, you know. And some days I just do it, and then there's some days that I, but you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless them, and they know that. And then I tell them, I'm praying for you. I prayed for you today, or, you know, touch base, let them know I'm praying for you, and I'm best in their lives, you know, and I expect that of them. So, anyways, so those, uh, any comments about that? Anything else about how to love kids? That's good. I was going through this, you know, my, my nephews are not raised by a Christian. Right. You know, they're, they're So it's hard sometimes to get some of these in without, you know, teaching them to respect their parents' opinions and following their mm. parents versus, you know, what I need to actually teach them and influence them from, from a Christian perspective. And, uh, so it's a, it's a good reminder and I need to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you might not be able to do all of those, you know, as yeah. I did because it's we're in a different level, but... Scripture, you know, maybe for pay, their, their parents may let me do that. 
Right, because usually on the, you know, usually as Christian parents, you, any other fluence, well, but if we had Christian parents, it was like, no, you can't teach them about Buddha or anything like that, but usually when they're kind of open, you know, in this kind of, yeah. we're all going to heaven, it's all good, and, you know, bless, 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 and they would be open to, mm-hmm. you know. Right, right. Well, good. Fantastic. Okay. Any special prayer requests? Any mindful? How's everybody's week looking?